This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Raptors weekly podcast for the week of Thanksgiving weekend, whatever <laughs> it is today. What what is today, Sam? Monday. Is, today's Monday, the October eighth. Eighth. Yeah. Four days straight of tur- turkey got me feeling sluggish, man. Yeah, Sam's over here at uh, the RR headquarters. This is nice, man. You've done a really nice job with all this RR money decorating our uh, studio. Did you like the Kanban board that I had in the back there with to do in progress and done? And with nothing below it. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. You, you'll try to organize your life. You're like, you know what? From this point on, I'm going to be organized. I'm going to have like a to-do list. I'm going to follow it through. I'm going to put items on it. Never works. So you've tried it. I've tried. I've tried with my wife. Set up Kanban, share task list, nothing. She just yells at me because she's got like this cog load. We call it cog load. She's like, I got all this stuff and it's in my head and you don't help. I'm like, well, I don't know what's in your head. Like I can't divine what you're thinking or what you need to do but she doesn't care yeah i, I, I tried to uh to uh because you always have like tasks dumped on you and i'm like you know if you got something to do let's put it on the to-do list and we'll tackle it in a systematic way yeah but that that doesn't seem to resonate because there's so much in the in the mind that it's hard to articulate that into like tasks yeah but i think you could if you try so so one thing that kind of works for us is uh we have like this whiteboard attached to our fridge and she just writes stuff on it and and one of us walks by and was like, oh, okay, we can do that today. Yeah. So I take it, but it's still not. Yeah, but, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk Family about... Family project management. No. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking about the, the Raptors and Thanksgiving weekend and then all that. You see the post I put up today on, uh, on what the Raptors should be thankful for? Yeah, I was thankful for the post. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting much today. Yeah. Morning coffee had most of it covered. Then I was like, yeah, yeah. you know what? we should talk about and 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 one of the guys that i I was uh when i was writing that post was nick nurse came up yeah a lot and i was like uh hey hey, uh, sam could you hold the mic against your face sorry sorry that's that's better like it's not a you you gotta you gotta keep it static yeah we need to invest in some stands soon i think (laughs) uh and the topic of nick nurse came up and i was like you know he should be thankful just being in the right place at the right time yeah, showing up sometimes wins everything for you. Yeah, like isn't that a quote somewhere where the showing up is like 90%? Of, of Yeah, of success, yeah, 100%. And Nick Nurse, who does not have any massive coaching experience. Like, no. Like Kawhi did not know who he was. And when they asked him who Nick Nurse was, he's like, yeah, I think he did some work in uh, Houston. <laughs> and, and then I opened up his wiki page and see what work he did in Houston. And it was like a like a small part of a small part of the organization. And that's what his pre-Raptors history kind of is. But you know what? Doesn't matter. Right place, right time. I think I read that uh, Ujiri's known nurse since like the mid-90s. So like Ujiri has a lot of experience with them. But I mean, to be fair to Kawhi, 
half the people in Toronto in Toronto don't didn't know who Nick Nurse was. There, he, he was just some guy who gave like those halftime interviews to uh, mm-hmm. to uh, Sportsnet or the Fan or whatever it was. So mm-hmm. can't blame the guy. You got faith in the guy? Yeah, he's saying all the right things. I'm good with that for now. Like. If 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 the the offense was great last season, so that was a nice change, and apparently it was all him, so that's encouraging. And he's saying all the right things, and the players seem to like him. And Lowry's not too petulant to start the season, so yeah. In his interviews, he comes off as a guy you can just like walk in and just talk to without having an appointment. <laughs> I guess that's the benefit of being like an unknown. Yeah, like yeah. you can just like walk in and talk to him. And not saying Dwayne Casey had like an Outlook calendar where you could only talk to him if you scheduled a meeting. But it just seems like he's more approachable and less of a taskmaster. Right, right. Yeah. But was Dwayne Casey a taskmaster? Uh, I don't know. He, he, was, he, was, he was, he felt rigid. So like, yeah. he felt like an old man. Like, yeah. this is, I'm just doing this and I don't care about anything else. Yeah. Um, I'm like, like just his playoffs. How, how we structured the team, who came on, who went off. Like, I'm not going to waver at all from what I've been doing thus far. So, and, and I think that could be understandable because one of Dwayne Casey's mandates was a culture shift, right? Right. And a culture shift does involve a degree of structure and discipline being uh, introduced to the team. So maybe that was part of what made Dwayne Casey so successful in Toronto was that he, he, well, he was rigid to the point where he was trying to change team culture, organizational culture, really, yeah. and get serious about basketball. So maybe uh, maybe that was what Dwayne Casey's thing was, and that, that, that's, that, that, that was his strength. And now that we're past that stage, hopefully as a franchise we, where culture is not that big of an issue, you can afford to go with somebody who's a little looser and who can just... Be more yeah. creative and yeah. more off the cuff. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not saying go Tehran Lou levels of casualness, but you know, but, uh, we're still not sure what Tehran Lou did <laughs> in Cleveland for the last season or so. Yeah. But so I, I've been going to work every every morning, and I pass the Scotiabank Center oh. every uh, every uh, morning. Right, and I don't know if I will ever get get past it being the ACC. But sometime in the comment section goes, you could call it the bank. Are you no. going to the bank today? No, no. That could catch on. No, let's 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 kill that right here. I my six year old calls it ACC. Yeah. I said let's go to Scotia Bank just to mess with them and he's like what because, like, th- our whole family is in banking. So he's like, why we need to go get money, Dad? I was like, no, no, <laughs> we're gonna go watch basketball. He's like, at the bank? What do you think is more ingrained in our in our Toronto culture, ACC or Skydome? Skydome for sure. Yeah, I think so. That's 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 thirty years right now, right? Yeah, but but Skydome stopped being Skydome. Like, how long was ACC ACC, and how long was Skydome Skydome? I, bro- I actually don't know when the Skydome officially stopped being the Skydome, yeah. and it's still the Skydome to me. So this is probably some pre podcast research we should have done probably, before bringing this probably. topic up. But it's uh, it, it is Thanksgiving weekend, and uh, and so on. So a couple of preseason games yep. under our, under our belts. Uh, one against Portland, amazing, amazing against the Jazz. I think it would have been amazing if the Jazz didn't decide to play their starters in the third quarter. Well, sure, go for it. Yeah, yeah. Quinn Quinn has a job to keep, right? Yeah. And then uh, and then there was a whole Melbourne thing where uh, Norm finally discovered that people, up. people will fall for his head fakes. Oh yeah, yeah, and he took full advantage. Full. Where, where is Norm? I don't know. He's watching game tape right now at home. Hopefully. Sorry, I don't know how close I have to keep this mic to my. Yeah, that, that that's good, right this there. This is 
like six inches yeah i think okay. so that sounds good yeah yeah so um well that game was encouraging i saw the highlights I, I, there was no way i was gonna watch a melbourne uh raptors preseason game and they what it was like a 40 40 point lopsided win yeah um but the highlights that i saw norm looked really good he looked like first year norm that we had him in the playoffs just fairly aggressive he looked confident something we haven't seen for a couple of seasons so hopefully that keeps going yeah norm's an interesting guy man because he he has he had I, he had like almost not og level but pretty strong hype his yeah. first year and a half with the raps and then he went to the bench or he was always on the bench yeah and then he just couldn't get playing time and what what happened to him? Like, do we have any recollection on what, how Norm went from being like, oh my god, this guy should be playing and defending like our best or the opposition's best player to like he's unplayable? Right. So, so a couple of things. Like he came out of nowhere. He had a really good summer league. I remember that. And we always get excited about everybody in Toronto who shows a spark of like this guy can play some ball. Um, so he had a nice run. People didn't know him in the league, didn't know what to expect. So they weren't even like, he wasn't on anybody's radar. And I mean, he's a good player. So like he, he was able to take advantage of the opportunities that were presented to him. And then it kind of dipped a little bit in the second season, but he still was effective. And I think that, you know, a combination of that contract, you know, we got CJ miles, OGs on the team. So there's a little bit less to go around on the wing. Delon stepping up, Van Vliet's, you know, coming into his own, so that he his role was less defined than what it was before. Take that, couple it with the big dollars that he got on the contract, and I think it just messed with his head, mm-hmm. and he just couldn't get comfortable. He couldn't find a rhythm, um, and he had lots of opportunity early on this season to to find his niche and and to run with it, but just it was it just felt like it was all mental, and and I mean, when you look at him, like he's just like a California boy, so he kind of looks stoned all the time and he's not really like a very fiery energetic guy uh, you know for 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 people who don't watch as much or like what, what like what's this guy doing right and it's just no that's his demeanor but you yeah. know sometimes you need to you need to fake it before you make yeah. it right i i feel he had two areas where like he, he kind of got a little exposed one his finishing at the rim turned out to be you know much less refined than we I early, I early on thought it was. It was be. always like that, though. He didn't have nice touch around the rim. Yeah, to he's, he's he's he just throws it off the backboard as hard as possible and hopes for the best. And I think when he first blew people, uh, you know, blew by people, he was able to finish mostly uncontested or right. surprise people. And once you discover that you can, you know, just give a little bit of help and it throws him off to a large degree, he he never really quite adapted to it. Well, his. So what helped there was his three point shooting was a lot lot better in his mm-hmm. first in his first season right like uh, I'm just looking right now it was, he was over forty percent mm-hmm. so it gave him some space because he'd have to like get up on him and he could put on the floor and make something happen but that just sank as as the as as the year two and year three went by so he didn't have the space that he was enjoying before he wasn't a great finisher so now he's going into lane and like trying to put up something contested. Uh, and he didn't have something to fall back on. That yeah. was his signature move or his signature finish. Yeah. I, I think the talent is there. Um, the Definitely. skills may not be as refined as they need uh, they need to be for him to get consistent playing time. But I think that's one of the challenges he, he's got to overcome. I, I, I'd say 
finishing at the rim, if you can just sort that out a little bit better and, and learn how to get fouled instead of just throwing something up, that, that, that could be a big step for him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, l- let's switch back because we got a bit of a topic list going here. Okay. It's, it's kind of random and Fancy. in no particular order. Uh, the playbook. So one of the things that uh, Barry from Talking Raptors always talks about is that, oh, man, the Raptors <laughs> just don't have enough plays. Yeah. And, like, we need Nick Nurse to come in and, like, in crunch time, like, draw up something, like, some scheme that, like, fools everybody. Right. Uh, whereas Dwayne Casey was very much predictable and, like, it's ISO, what have you. And then, like, a week ago or whenever it was, this article came out that Nick Nurse has decided to, like, whip the playbook down from like 100 plus to like 10 plays right and given complete control uh to the players on how they how they react to situations which is which is how basketball is to be fair supposed to be played it's mostly pick and roll yeah um what what do you what, what what do you think of that that like what has enabled nick nurse to have that confidence in the players that he's gone from like you know less structure to more autonomy to the players like what, what, what do you think that sh- what, why has that shift happened well I'm, I'm not sure if it's something that's enabled him or empowered him to do that i think he's just being honest you know right like so we had a hundred shitty plays you know a handful of them were decent but like for the most part they they sucked so let's just be honest let's let's simplify the playbook we have you know 10 plays that should probably cover 95 percent of all possessions and you know, frankly, for you know those 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 last five percent of possessions where you really need a bucket, you need a guy who can go out and get a bucket. Doesn't matter what the play is, right? It'll break down. Um, you'll you'll show something. The defense reacts. You need to reset. Defense reacts, and then you need like a like you know like a A plus guy to like just give him the ball and let him get a bucket. And I think that's what he's focusing on. Like he's just being honest with himself, with the team. Let's get really good at these ten plays. Hopefully Kawhi can like bail us out on a few plays. Lowry can bail them out of a few plays too. So that's probably that would be what I would think. Yeah, and, especially and, in the shorten, uh, not in the shorten, but you have a you have a training camp now. You don't have the continuity you had in the last few years. You have two new guys you need to integrate who are integral to this team for this season, um, and you really want to showcase Kawhi, right? So like, how many plays are you going to throw at a guy coming out of like that San Antonio system, right? Yeah, I'd say it's also, I think you have overall increased the basketball IQ on the team by getting Kawhi in here. Uh, and I Maybe. Think, I think so. I don't know. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a DeRozan apologist. I think, I think he's a quality, quality top 20 player. I think so, I think the tunnel vision that DeRozan sometimes displayed fair. would have prevented a coach to handing... A coach like Nick Nurse to go, okay, you know what? It's all up to you because I trust you to read the plays. Because once you've been, once you get tunnel vision, like one of the main things with DeRozan was always like, man, he's such a great passer when he wants to be. Fair. Because he could average six assists a game if he decided that that's what he was going to do. But he never actually did that. It was always in short spurts. Right. And you never quite trusted him to be the quarterback of the team and find find people and read defenses and make the right pass. It happened on occasion, not consistently. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're going to shrink the playbook and give more autonomy to the players and give them basically, hey, you're going to read the defense and adapt accordingly and pass the ball, you need that passing mentality, which that's what I really mean when I say basketball IQ, is that I think you have Kawhi, who who maybe is more attuned to passing the ball off when, when he's in trouble, whereas DeRozan was more programmed 
over the years to just act a certain way. Not not that he couldn't. It's just that his conditioning was was something else. No, that's fair. Plus, Kawhi is a much better three point shooter, so he's got the range to like bail out on plays and um, like even 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 the improved Amar. Every time he t- tossed a three up, we're like, oh <laughs> fuck! At least he shot a three, right? Yeah. Like. <laughs> Yeah, uh, there was some uh, speaking of threes. There's some talk uh, on I don't know where it was. It was like it was like Danny Green right now is considered the locked in number two starter. Okay, would you consider that? That's, Probably. Yeah, and there was some. There was some. Well, who who would we start ahead of? Well, him? that's they were saying maybe OG, maybe OG. Or somebody. Yeah, I could live with that, but sure, give Danny get Danny go, bring OG along a little slower. I just think that. Overall, it doesn't quite matter who starts, who finishes, blah, 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 that, you know, who ends the game. That's what matters. But the one thing that the Raptors did really, really well last season, even the year before that, is that their bench unit supplied a boost yeah. whenever they needed it. Every time. Right? Yeah. And that's that's like something so... Not every team has that. Every team is supposed to have that bench unit that comes in and just, boom, you get a kickstart. Yeah. And like you're like, oh, amazing, you got a bench unit. And... Every team pays lip service to that. Yeah. The Raptors actually execute on that. Yeah. And I would be very, very wary of breaking that dynamic up and putting in lineups where the bench unit brings in an older guy who's more picks his spots rather than just like sheer madness, which is what the Raptors currently do with Siakam and OG. And, and those so are, are you advocating not to have Ibaka on the, on the bench unit right now? Is that what you're oh, saying? Oh, Ibaka. We're going to talk about Ibaka. Ibaka. I, I think Ibaka deserves, if that is a phrase, to, to, to actually start. Because he's had a terrible, terrible playoff. Yeah. Um, you know, playoff series last year. There's no denying that. Uh, you know, Will and Vivek made a pretty great argument a few po- podcasts ago about Ibaka coming off the bench. That yep. his role is more defined, kind of like a Patrick Patterson. Sure, oh. treat him like Patrick Patterson. Basically, was the argument there, right? And I can see a that more capable Patrick Patterson, a more capable for sure. Uh, but the gist of it, the structure of the argument was the same. Sure, and and I'm of the mind that I think Ibaka is an experienced enough, mature enough player that he can maybe rebound from the rough stretch that he had last year and come up with something something resembling starter starter quality. I, I don't think he's like he's been a bad boy to the point where like you're off the bench now, buddy. Like right. you're an energy guy now. I don't th- I think he's got enough NBA experience playing for like hard playoff competitions that he can be trusted to, dude, you had a rough year or a rough stretch in a year. Come back and let's try it again. And, and I think he will start uh, the season. I think he might be okay. I, I don't think it's as as cut and dry as Ibaka's coming off the bench. Well, he, I mean, he's what? He's he's probably our only plus or plus adjacent defender in the post. He can, you know, he's, he's the best blocker, shot blocker on the team. And he's active and he's big. So, you know, he goes for broke on on, on, on those plays a lot. Um, so he ha- he he would bring that to the to the starting unit that no one else could obviously, um, and then and then on on um, what he really likes to do is just shoot those threes, man. Yeah. He wants to pop as many of those, and he'll get enough of those on the bench unit, especially against you know weaker bench units on the opposing team. So, what what do you think of uh, skinny JV? JV looks skinny. JV looks younger. He's got the hair flowing. He actually looks three years younger than he did three years ago 
Right. So, you know, it's funny. I've been thinking about this for a while, but like the Raptors as an organization have been really bad at bringing along forwards throughout the years, right? You remember um, before JV, we had this guy called Chris Bosh, and he was this young, mobile, stretchy, long guy who could shoot. And what did he decide to do to him? Make him gain all that weight and, and make him a back-to-the-basket player. Then what happens the moment he goes to Miami that summer? He shed 20 pounds. He's a face-up player plus defender. Um, same thing with JV. Before he, when we drafted him, we're like, who? Then he did like those Euro under-18s. We're like, holy crap, this kid is really, really good. He carried those teams like far and deep in those, in those championships. His rookie season, again, he looked nice. He was mobile. Um, he took people off the dribble a lot. And then what happens? He gains all this weight. He bulks up, fucking pump fakes from hell, and then he puts it on the floor, and you know, yeah. and it's fifty fifty from there. So it's been really encouraging seeing, you know, a lighter JV who's who's a little bit more mobile. Yeah. Um. And and maybe that's a credit to Nick Nurse this summer. Maybe I don't yeah. know. Like, let's give it to him. Let's give it to the organization that you know they've. They've seen, you know, what they've done wrong over the years with their forwards, and at, at least it looks like they're they've taken JV back. So it, that looks really encouraging for me. Yeah, for, for me, it's the face-up game. Like, how, how good is his face-up game now compared to say even a couple of years ago? I think his post-up game has always been decent. Like, yeah, he's always been able to catch the ball and like make a move, a couple and drop shoot, steps, and shoot, around, sh- put he, over. He, he, yeah. yeah, drop steps or or turn into the lane and release yeah. that hook. It's always been a good shot, and he's always shooting good percentages. Yeah, his face-up game. Not so much. No, it's it's just almost like watching the basket confuses him, right? He he rather not watch the basket Absolutely. and just feel his way to the basket with his body and feel the defender. He's more comfortable. But when you're in a face up situation, you don't feel the defender. You no. have to basically decide where to where the where to take the play right. rather than the defender kind of guide you towards where right. you should take the play based on body weight. Pass or attack the basket. He's not gonna. He's not going to face up and pop a yeah. jumper, yeah. And but that's the only thing that he can he, do right yeah. now in the face up situation is just pop the jumper, right? Right. I, I I'm trying to think right now of what JV's face up moves are, and dude, I, I just I think his face up move is to just like quickly move and then go into a post up position. <laughs> it's or if he gets it deep enough with you know that <laughs> that, that 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 two and a half second pump yeah. fake where he yeah. puts it on the floor. I remember when, uh, man, this is going back, but when Kevin Willis, yeah. uh, way back when short arm Kevin Willis, he was so conditioned to use that right hook of his that, half hook? that even yeah. when he when he had like a layup attempt, yeah. he would sometimes opt for the hook <laughs> when it was much more beneficial to just shoot the layup. Yeah, man, he he was a he was a product of the eighties, man. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so J- JV, I'm excited about for many different reasons, and uh, I, I think this is the year where the JV apologists have to kind of you know put up or shut up like this is the year where everything is like jv focused like all the people who are like jv is not getting enough of chances this is the year where the, the team is the coach is literally in love with jv like he's gonna get the long leash that we all called for yeah and it's a it's gonna be like a make or break moment for jv what what do you think uh his long-term outlook is on this team like do you think the raptors like is there any scenario where he gets traded this season for something I think considering it, we have Monroe waiting in the cut, Monroe is just he. I, I don't know how much Monroe will uh, feature th- this year. To be honest with you, man, I, 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 I it's one of the mysteries that I'm yet to kind of, <laughs> you know, trying to solve. Is 
like I get the rationale from Monroe from a you know get a big guy playoff experience put him on the roster you never never know when you might need him in the postseason but as a day-to-day regular season player I just don't know where he fits unless it's for like a particular matchup or so 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 what are we looking for out of the JV position let's say out of the center position this season I'm looking I'm looking at um, the center adding diversity to your offense where it's not as predictable as years past. So, And you think JV is going to give us that? Well, that is what the expectation is, is that if, if you look at previous seasons, our offense has been predictable. Yeah. Right? In, in the fourth quarter, it's always been predictable. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but it's always been very predictable. And one of the calls was always, well, if you add JV here, you add a little bit more, you mix it up a little bit and you allow yourself more maybe options. And this year, if you're going, if, if you're looking at your offense, you're not expecting JV to average 25, 20 points a game. No. But you are expecting him to stay on the court and be an equal contributor on offense when it counts. I think that's the difference, is that the contribution during when it matters. Okay. JV in the past has been, a, he's been sidelined at that time. And now, I, I certainly, I have an expectation that he's going to be part of it. So, so you, you're feeling like we're going to see a lot of JV crunch time? Certainly more than than yeah. Casey. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. So you know, it's funny. Uh, and sorry, I'm. Please indulge me for a moment. But years past, the 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 one constant on all those teams, aside from Lowry and DeRozan being Lowry and DeRozan, was there wasn't a lot of other guys who you could throw the ball to, who had a little bit of space to make a shot, right? So like. You know, this season we have a lot of shooters. We have a lot more shooters on the wings. We have a lot of guys who can get buckets. Um, and I'm and I'm absolutely not advocating for a Monroe over JV thing here. But you know, m- right now Monroe's still a better passer than JV. So I could see scenarios where um, in crunch time Monroe might be more favorable if you. Sur- I'm not saying surround him with shooters and he's the new LeBron, right? Yeah. But like a guy who's willing to share the ball and makes good passes out of the post um, because now we have that three-point shooting to, to to spread the floor a little bit more and it's a lot more dangerous. So, you know, maybe that's something that we could probably, hopefully expect JV to improve on. I, like, I, I, I like the all the caveats oh and disclaimers you're, you're I'm adding. I'm trying to trip over as myself you're trying here, to like yeah. suggest that we go No, Monroe, no, I'm not suggesting. I'm just uh, saying. Or, 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 suge- or whatever. Talking about Monroe being like the center of the offense, like Circa Shaq 1996 oh. with the magic and Benning I regret everything right now. <laughs> yeah, I think it could happen. I, I think you could have Monroe playing center and with four other shooters. And and maybe JV can learn from Monroe how to make those passes. Because, I mean, he's big. He, he gets to see over people. Uh, and he gets a lot of attention when he when the ball gets, when he takes the ball into the paint. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, uh, l- l- let's switch topics just a little bit, man, because we are pretty unstructured here. Maybe we need our own Kanban board, <laughs> which shows how to organize a podcast. Sure. Uh, is uh, the... San Antonio effect on Kawhi. Okay. And this is one thing that, that, you know, I've thought about, but because of Kawhi's far, far superior talent than anybody else that has come out of the system, uh, you don't really talk about it too much, is that you have guys coming out of the San Antonio system. Corey Joseph is a, is a great example who who shine with the Spurs, yep. uh, who shine under Popovich because they have very well-defined roles and, and they produce. And as soon as you take them out of that context... 
production or whatever it is just dips. Yeah. Now, Kawhi is a superstar player. Do you have any any concerns that or, or what do the uh, yeah do you have any concerns that taking him out of the San Antonio context like results in a like in a dip in his uh, production? Um. So I'm not concerned. I'm sorry. It's not six inches from my face. Uh, I'm not concerned per se about um, him falling apart like Spurs have passed. But something that um, I think the problem might be more around his comfort on the court and playing with guys that like, you know, like a Lowry or someone like, you know, JV guys who, 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 who you know, the ball goes to them and, and, and they're A guys. Um, just just getting comfortable playing with those guys on the court within a system, you know, with just two weeks of training camp and, you know, some epic conversations with Nick Nurse, right? So uh, that would just be something that I might put a pin into, but I don't know. Like, it, 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 you're talking about, like, a, like a top three, five, ten, however you want to rank them, but, like, a, a, like a, a guy who goes really, really early for picking teams and all the NBAs that you're you know, uh, is a choice. So I'm not, I'm not too worried. Um, let, let's, let's see how it goes though. Like um, there is potential that this goes really badly, really quickly. <laughs> I, I but man, can, can we talk about that? Like what would, other than injury, sure. What would need to happen for this season to be a disaster? Nurse is a really bad coach. Uh, at, in, in, in the, from, from like a people management perspective like so like a, a big part of of being a coach is is managing talent managing personalities Lowry's a fucking handful Kawhi maybe we don't know really know like all we know about him is he, he like what happened last season and how that played out so we know that there's potential that this could go really badly from him if if he feels any ways about Toronto about how he's being used here about the people that he's playing with about the people that he's playing for um, but the rest of the team not so much so like if if uh, Lowry and Kawhi don't mesh like what what do we do then mm-hmm. yeah it and and to be fair so far that doesn't look like an issue it looks like they play very well together yeah yeah I'm, I'm trying to think of so in um I don't know if I mentioned this on a podcast before, but but sometimes uh, at work uh, I do this thing called pessimism day. <laughs> okay, where like before a big happiness project, board is that like that or it's the opposite of that almost. Okay, so it's like um, airing so, of grievances. So so again, it's like a that's airing of grievances a post mortem. This is called a pre mortem. Wow. Okay. So before you start a big project uh, to identify all the risks in the project, okay, you just take like you know. A, a day out and you get all the the team or the executives or whatever out to like i don't know maybe out of the city or maybe somewhere in boardroom or lunch and all that shit then you go okay let's think about we're about to start this big big project here let's just consider all the things that could go wrong okay right and, it's, and then you spend like the half the day just coming up with scenarios where shit just blows up all right let's do it man and, and the second half is like how do we mitigate the risks we identified in the in the first half. Okay. Okay. All right. You do two. I do two. How about we do that? <clears throat> I'd Until say, we run and, out of and, and, and you can't be, and you can't be, uh, like, n- no idea is a bad idea. Because like, okay. the whole thing is just brainstorming. This is a safe space. Okay. And right. uh, we can use injury. Injury is like, given. No, like we no, can't talk about injury. injury. Right. right. So, one risk, Kawhi out of the San Antonio system just sucks. Fair. 
What's the risk? High, low? I think it's low. Okay. Uh, Lowry and Kawhi absolutely hate each other and cannot get along, and Ra- Lowry kind of misses DeRozan. I think that's like medium risk. It's a medium risk? Well, look, they're both like, how long did it take Lowry to warm up to Toronto? Like two seasons? Uh-huh. And then, and then there was a magical moment where he went from zero to 100, mm-hmm. like in an afternoon. Mm-hmm. So he found God somehow, and now he's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, he also got thing. paid. Yeah, well, I think that helped. Well, he got paid after that. Yeah, okay. he got paid because he was able to step up, right? Uh, he right. got that what four forty, and then and then he got like the three one hundred. Mm-hmm. So so there's that. So that's my two. Yeah. So I think Uncle Dennis is a risk. Mm-hmm. Um, Explain. Well, I don't know who this guy is. All of a sudden, there's this Uncle Dennis guy who's. Uh, who who wants like his kid out of you know one of the best franchises in the league and you know they're, they're, San Antonio obviously did something uh-huh. we don't know what still uh-huh. uh, you know Tony Parker probably shares most of that and he's not on the team anymore and it looks weird Tony Parker in a Charlotte uniform is weird um, <laughs> so I think that's I'd say I, I'd say that's a low risk low risk e- even though there is precedent for it. I think because of the one-year rental situation that Kawhi is in, um, it's like given that, you know, man, it, 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 he's not signing an extension from now till the summer, right? right. So I think everybody's acknowledged that you're going to play this year and then you're going to decide what to see what happens in the summer. And Uncle Dennis, whoever the hell, just knows that and accepts that and you just move on. And, and you renew this conversation on July 1st. Yeah. Right? And, and I think that's, that's, that's what's changed in the NBA now, I find is that all the people have just kind of accepted that players will enter free agency yeah. and you will not extend your contract like before the time is there. And I think, I think it's, it's, it's great. It just, remember the Chris washes last year? Yeah. Man, it was a disaster, man. Disaster. The, the entire year was like, will he resign? Will he not resign? Like every, after every game, he had a good game. Is he going to resign? Vince Carter, same thing. Andrea Bargnani said, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> Nobody cared about it. <laughs> oh my God. Right? I, I wasn't sure where you were going with that. <laughs> <laughs> but now you just don't have that. Like yeah. he, like even yeah yeah so I'm- so that was that was gonna be my second risk mm-hmm. what you just said like after every game the fucking media is gonna ask the same shitty questions hey are you ready to resign here mm-hmm. um, you know let the guy date us for a bit let's see you know if if he likes getting it in in Toronto mm-hmm. and then we could worry about it in off season I think those things will work itself out um, but just just that constant focus on is he gonna resign or not. That 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 will play a play a toll. Uh, here's another risk: Siakam and OG just discovering that what they currently are is their ceiling. Wow! Especially like Siakam, like is because there's there's an expectation that this guy will improve to the point where he's good, good. Okay, right. Do and, me do me one favor with Siakam. Mm-hmm. I don't see why everyone thinks he's going to be. What the next Lamar Odom? I don't even know what his uh, what he's being compared to as a guy who's got like unlimited ceiling uh, and a really high floor. Um, you know, he's he's long, he's stretchy, he's fast. He looks awesome beating up on like non professional players, and like he can hit all those jumpers when there's you know in those Instagram videos. But uh-huh. um, you know, maybe you can enlighten me a bit on on. On what? On what his? Uh, on why everyone's so excited about him? I, I I do feel that people feel that he has a high floor. Okay. For sure. 
I, I think if Siakam has the exact same season as last year statistically, I think it'll be considered like a eh. failure. Yeah. yeah. I, I think there's an expectation that he will step up and up his point production, his efficiency, his defense overall. Last year, there was a lot of cases where he was like he was making like rookie mistakes, even though he's not rookie. Like, yeah. He was making a lot of those mistakes and the expectation that he'll clean all that up right now. Okay. And because he's smart enough, because he gets the game, like he's like he'll adapt. If that doesn't happen and he's the exact same Siakam, we, we, that's called a ceiling. Yeah, okay. I, I think there is a risk that uh, that might happen. Again, we're brainstorming here. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, uh, um, Van Vliet takes a step back after getting the big money. Yeah, it's much like Norm. Like I, I hate yeah. to make that comparison. Norm at this point in their entering their Raptors tenure, Norm was considered. Pretty good. Sorry, we didn't do uh, for the the Siakam how how much the risk was. Uh, I think the risk is medium that he doesn't uh, improve. I'd say low to medium. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So sorry, Van Vliet. Oh, Van Vliet. Yeah, Van Vliet is the same as the norm risk. Yeah. Where norm was amazing. His his first year exceeded all expectations. Same with Van Vliet. Next year, what does he do? The expectation right now is that he will be. You know, the backup point guard, it's not even question whether it's him or DeLon. Like, he's the guy. But there is a risk that he just hits hits a wall. Yeah. I, I would say, for me, it's low on that. Um, only because he came out of college, I believe, as a four-year college player. So, he, I mean, we basically knew what Van Vliet was going to be. Same with DeLon, right? Like So, like, a good player, not awesome, can, like, let you up if he's, if he's feeling it. But just... just just how Van Vee plays and the style of his game, he really plays a controlled game. He he plays within himself. So he doesn't do things that he's not good at. So I, I like that about him a lot. But just in, in terms of being like like a Lowry type player, I I don't see that unless something happens over the next couple seasons where like, you know, he's he just kills it and, and he's got like this deep range and maybe he slims a bit and he's a little bit faster and he's and uh a little and, uh, bit more athletic. Uh, I'll play on uh, this a little bit. Def- defensively, Dwayne Casey, no matter what you think of him, did preach defense a lot. Like whether how much the team actually okay. absorbed it in and executed on his defensive proposed mentality or proposed schemes is different. Yeah. But you definitely have gone from a coach who just preaches defense a lot yeah. to somebody who is more offensively nuanced and maybe that's what is... First priority is so how much of a defensive dip we'll experience just because the coach being different is something to consider. Uh, I think that's going to be a little bit low. So off the bat, we're replacing DeRozan with Kawhi. So we go from like a, a minus to a plus on on in that position. Mm-hmm. Danny Green's a you know even to a plus defender. I don't know. He he hasn't been great for a couple seasons. Maybe that was because of that injuries that he had. Um, and you know, the, the team, the way it is, JV's JV, Ibaka is going to get you a couple blocks. Um, you know, Larry's great and, and OG and those guys are really good. But, yeah. Uh, you know, but, but preaching defense and actually like, so we heard a lot of that preaching, but like, we didn't really see a lot of it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe not hearing that there's being preached and maybe an improvement in the defense yeah. from an optics perspective might just counter that totally. So, guys, we think I think I've exhausted. We have exhausted all the risks, and uh, it appears the Raptors are going to win sixty games. Sixty-five. Yeah. 
that's that's my uh, I'm going over on all the over unders. Let's before we take a break. Oh, we had, we, we do have a break in this in this podcast. I was going to hear from a friend because we got Twitter questions. Okay, yeah, and there's like a ton of them. Okay, uh, but before God, we do that, us. complete tangent to the win total. Golden State winning seventy three games that season mm-hmm. and losing uh, in the uh, you know in, in the finals to LeBron. Thus, still, to Kyrie, to, uh, to, Kyrie. <laughs> <laughs> to uh, and thus giving the Bulls their seventy-two win team as right. still the greatest team ever because you can't say a seventy-three win team who loses the finals. Well, how did you how did you react to that? Like when that happened, were you happy that they had lost? And like, did you make the Bulls connection at the time when the, when that thing happened? Because I was making it throughout. I was oh like, yeah, I was yeah. completely cheering. I was a big Bulls fan and yeah. Knicks fan in the nineties, so. Yeah. Oh, you were Bulls and Knicks fan? Yeah. How does that work? Did I just you... those Knicks teams were badass. Yeah, yeah. I, I love like, the unis. I, I liked well the unis were great. Yeah. I liked I liked how it, just like those grindy, yeah. gritty teams. Like a lot of fist fights. I love that shit. Yeah. Um, but I'm a grumpy old man, so I kind of, you know, I, I had good memories of the Bulls growing up. So that was Jordan was like who who yeah. I why I started liking basketball in like the late '80s. Yeah. Um, so I was cheering against yeah. Golden State, but I mean, you, you really can't use you can't you can't hold that against them. They've won three three chips in five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, they're, 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 they're they're on par. Yeah. They're, they're completely on par. I would bet money the Bulls would beat them in a seven game series, though. Yeah, I wouldn't argue with that. Uh, let's let's take a quick break and we'll come back and then we'll take uh, Twitter questions and there are uh, are a bunch. Okay. Welcome back to the Raptors Weekly Pod. Uh, we're going to take some Twitter questions after I have given Sam some explicit instructions on how to hold a microphone. Apologies. I think I think he's got it now. It, lo- it feels like it. All right. This feels... So we got a bunch here, man. And uh, again, they're all over the map. But I think but I think they should be fun. Um, let's start with uh, an easy one. Okay. Will Game Ops in the Scotiabank get better or worse this year any rumors on new theme lights theme nights like ovo or purple throwbacks this is from uh george garbahosa which is a pretty nice name wow jorge he he had a pretty crazy injury yeah that was that was the fact that he could walk after that yeah. like when he recovered was it was in boston wasn't it yeah yeah, yeah. everything bad happens in boston <laughs> uh so i'm gonna go no game ops is bad it's gonna continue to be However, I feel like Drake's going to step up a bit this season, throw out some like red carpet, put Kawhi in the song and a video, and hope for the best. Dude, are you ready for gold on the front, purple on the back jerseys? Epic jerseys? Gold on the front, purple on the back. Fuck it. Let's do it. Why not? That'll sell a million jerseys, I think. I think so. And then like, as you unveil the, the jersey, like have the jersey being automatically shred. Oh, like Banksy? increases... The it's value? value, yeah, hundred percent, something like that. I, I, I think that's the selling point. The guys who are running Bansky, man, they are just living it up. Like, like that—that that was an amazing marketing ploy, man. I, just to double the value of something just by shredding it. I, I just want to understand how, like, when that happened. Like, he put a battery in there that lasted thirteen years. Like, how is that even? 
And like he had a button that he pressed, or Dude, like the Voyager One has had a battery in it for like thirty eight years. Yeah, that's NASA shit, bro. That's yeah, like Neil Tyson the grass stuff. Yeah, I think you just got to put like a hundred AAA batteries in, it and you're good. Yeah, it was a big frame. <laughs> <laughs> it was, <laughs> and when but nobody said why is this frame so big compared to the other frames here. Uh, it's a Banksy. Uh, we're, we're yeah, 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 okay. So the answer is uh, no, <laughs> no. The game ops suck, and the game ops will continue to suck. I think that's a, it's a fair prediction. It's a family thing. Yeah. Um, next comes from uh, Parmavir Gotra, and he goes, what level of success will it take for the Raptors to get a Christmas game? I understand the whole rating situation, but if they reach the finals, is that enough? Maybe taking Golden State to seven? I, and then losing like an epic shootout in game seven in, uh, in Oakland or San Fran this year? I think making the finals automatically means you're on Christmas. No matter what you do there. I, I think that Probably. The, the, the more complicated question is, what do you need to do in the, in the non-final series to make it to the thing? And I, and I feel, answer me this. If we did the same thing we did like a couple of years ago against Cleveland, we took them to like six games in the Eastern Conference, but we had star power like Kawhi like we did today, I think you'd make it to the finals. I, I, I think a lot of the Christmas Day thing has to, be with, has to do with the recognizability. Yeah. And ratings and all that. And Kawhi... Is recognizable. Is recognizable. Yeah. Certainly more so than DeRozan was. And I think that might have been enough to to push us over the edge. Now, if you get swapped by Cleveland in four games again, you're not going to make it to Christmas. Dude, if this Cleveland team stops us in four games, I might off myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but did you like uh, Tristan Thompson when we're still the East champs? So until somebody dethrones us, we're it. Well, that's a fair statement. That's it's a te- stupid it's statement. It's technically true. Yeah. It's technically true. Sure. It's not true. <laughs> All right. Keith Snellgrove asks, does Nick Nurse look like a substitute biology teacher who just can't keep order in the classroom? Now, what Keith is probably going at here is that he's got a lot of personalities to manage. And that's one of the risks that you called out in yeah. our little game uh, from earlier, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, sure. I can go with that. I can live with that. So he's a little broy though, I think. Like he's just like someone you want to hang out with. So like maybe like that cool teacher didn't really give a rat's ass because he got tenure and he's not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. So to to answer your question, he he may look like that, but I think he can keep the order in the classroom because he is definitely more if approachable more than relatable uh, with with the players. It's 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 a it's a great question which I don't have a real answer for. Yeah, I just funny. feel I, I just feel that it, you you just got to feel this one out. Yeah, we 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 don't know. He deserves the benefit. Uh, I feel. Yeah. yeah. Um, Prabjot asks, "What do you guys think about the zone defense of Rapsom and running at times?" Uh, and again, he's got a, a Nick Nurse follow up question. How confident are you in Nick Nurse bringing out the best best of this team? I think the Nick Nurse unknown is like a general concern across the board. That's fair. And I find that it's only being talked about as a concern because we have such a good roster. Yeah. Right? Nobody's actually talking about holes in the roster anymore. It's all about does, can the coach actually manage the roster, which is a great problem to have. Yeah. Zone defense. You've seen any of this? Uh, I've seen a little bit of it. It's fine. I think uh, as, a, as a long-term strategy and as like for long stress of the game, it's not great. But, you know... To throw it in situationally, um, based off of what you're reading real time and um, and you know the the other team's offensive set yeah. to disrupt to like give them another look, something else to think about. 
especially with our stretchy athletic you know wings and bigs like it, it could it could be a lot better than in years past yes zone zone is by the way, uh, at the Comedy Records tournament every Monday night, yeah. uh, when I play with Nick and Barry and, and, and those guys, Zone is our we o- we only play Zone. So are you like up front? You're 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 the madman between. It's a two, uh, it's, it's a two two zone man. Two two okay. Yeah, two up, two in the back, and your zone. No, no, we may forget we're playing zone, <laughs> and bad things happen when you do. Yeah, but in general, when you when you're, how, how many layups have uh, have you guys given up in his own defense? layups yeah um a few <laughs> okay. but we would have given up more layups if you were playing man-to-man fair fair right uh i i think it's mostly there to compensate for our lack of uh everything yeah okay yeah so i i, I don't think the raptors would need to rely on zone because as you said no they could probably play man-to-man and defend just fine yeah. at all five positions yeah I, I think at all five positions they have average to above average defenders yeah right so you don't necessarily if, if you go by that you don't "Quote unquote," need to play zone, but to throw different looks, man, it, it it's totally a weapon that even Dwayne Casey, to his credit, did use yeah, he did. often enough. It's not like he was he was immune to it or he or sorry he was averse to it. He just like he did use it. I think Nick Nurse uh, may probably rely on that as a as a tool as well. Absolutely. Well, I mean, uh, Casey did a good job of that in Dallas against that uh, against the Miami team, right? Mm-hmm. Um. What's the one thing Kawhi should know about Canadian Thanksgiving? Uh, this is from Andrew. What the hell does he... Is there anything different about Canadian Thanksgiving than the U.S. thing? Oh, there's no football. Well, there's no football. There's no Black Friday. Mm-hmm. No, uh, there's a Black Friday. I've got like 20 emails from... Well, like, now yeah. we got it, but yeah. it's a, that's one difference. Uh, uh-huh. The only big difference is he gets to have two Thanksgivings this year. Yeah. And it's also on a Thursday versus a Monday. Monday. Yeah. Yeah. And the Thursday thing is pretty great because Friday is usually off then. Yeah, you know, everyone takes it off. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. I wonder what the difference is, like why it is in two different months. Uh, like a more podcast pre-research topics, we should probably add to our Kanban board yeah, for yeah. next time. Yeah. Um, is, is OG going to start? And if so, does Green go to the bench? This is from Bertnell Bellamy. I feel like, yes, like definitely yes, towards the end of the season. Um, you, you think OG's going to start? Eventually, he will be. I, I, it depends on how high we are on him, right? Like if he's part of the future of the of this Raptors post Kawhi, post Lowry, you know, it, it's tough to say. But we, there's a lot of unknowns right now, so you know, you have to you have to go with you have to be strategic and tactical with this team at the same time. So we need to bring everybody along at the same time. OG is going to get his opportunities. 82 games, long season. He's definitely going to start. Uh, Danny Green's coming off an injury, so like they're they're, they're definitely going to rest him and Kawhi. Um, they're not going to play full schedule, so we can say that right now and here. So he'll definitely start. Um, to what degree? We'll 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 figure that out. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go back to my earlier point about energy off the bench being a real asset for the Raptors, and OG's a big part of that. So I don't, um, you know, I don't. Um, no. Yeah. I say Danny Green starts. He'll start the season for yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay. I, I never liked starting bench questions. It always annoyed me for some yeah. reason. Who cares? This is the Carmelo problem. Yeah. Who cares, man? Yeah. If you get yours and you help the team win. All right. Moving on from that, Killa Pascal says, what's Woody. a sticking and noticeable improvement you've seen from a player 
this far in preseason. Oh. <laughs> what have you seen, Sam? Yeah, Instagram has been pretty lit. Uh-huh. But if you had to pick like one improvement from a player. I don't know. Like I I'd probably have to go with JV and yeah. and his uh his physical and his mobility increase. Yeah, I I can't really comment from a basketball perspective unless no. you want to con- call Norman Powell like throwing down left hand. <laughs> Australia dunks. killer? Yeah. Yeah. The kangaroo killer. Kangaroo. Oh, I wish I said that. Yeah. <laughs> I I'd say JV's physical yep. change is noticeable. Absolutely, uh, I think he definitely does look leaner, and it's not just a muscle lean; like he looks leaner. leaner, leaner. Yeah, like yeah. he looks like a small forward out there sometimes, uh, <laughs> like an awkward nuts. small forward. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, this is an interesting question because nobody's ever asked something like this. Who do you see being the inbounds trigger man? Fletcher Courage asked this one. Inbounds trigger man. Now the inbounds trigger man. What are the attributes of an inbounds trigger man? Uh, gets the ball inbound fast. Attributes like tall. Oh yeah, tall lanky, court vision. Good. So we can rule out like Fred. Yeah. Okay. So you got to go with Siakam, Delon, Delon. Danny could do that. OG could do that. Yeah. Who 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 would you trust? CJ. Who would you trust? Uh, you would trust CJ to inbound the ball. More than Siakam for sure. Who would you trust the most on this team to inbound the ball? In in a crunch situation where Danny like, Green. Danny Green, yeah. Because he's done it like a hundred times in a crunch situation. Yeah. yeah. I'd say Danny Green. And then the inbounder is always a dangerous person. Exactly, yeah. he, and he's really good at like passing yeah. and relocating into a, like a better shooting position. So Th- there's your, uh, there's your that answer. That was a good question. Danny Green. Hey, you, right. should, you should heart that question. Fletcher Courage? Yeah. All right. How do you, okay, there we go. Heart it. Uh, next one is from Adele. Let's see if he or she gets a star. Uh, and it goes, does Kawhi have the best chance to win MVP and Defensive Player of the Year this season? So I, I'm guessing she's asking, or he's asking, uh, is is this his best chance to win both awards? Definitely. Well, he's going to be he's going to be the man on the team. He's going to get the ball in his hands a lot. His usage rate is going to be off the chain, probably the highest ever been in his career. Um, he's got a lot to prove this season. So he's going to be putting it and leaving it on the floor a lot. He needs to play at least 70 games and, to get and, those. And, and there was a GM survey you talked about earlier. Right. So the GM survey, who was it? I think it was uh, an ESPN or a Sports Illustrated thing. Yeah. Um, and the GMs all agreed that he would be uh, Defensive Player of the Year this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I'm reading questions which I have not vetted before at all. Oh, God help us. Okay. So you go, this is from Atul J. He goes... Don't you think that we should have a guy who just yells out three at our game, just like the Cavs, <laughs> considering all the three-point shooters we have now? There's a guy who yells three at the Cavs? <laughs> I've never noticed that. Yeah. Sure, let's do it. No, I, but, but I think one, one thing that we did lose last year is, uh, is something similar with Damar's girlfriend, because she used to call out um, everything. She's, she's hurt this team a lot more, and she's helped it, though. She what? She hurt the team a lot more. Oh, wait. Was that Bosch's girlfriend or Damar's girlfriend? You're talking about Vince's mom? Well, not, no, definitely not her. Who? Which girlfriend was it that, like, woke LeBron up from his, like, sleepwalk? Or was that Kobe? I think it was Bosch's wife or girlfriend. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. The, the only... the only I remember, I remember one that, that we didn't talk about enough was Antonio Davis's wife. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Remember her? Oh, 
she she wanted a job with like raptors tv or something yeah she wasn't great wasn't she on like real housewives of atlanta or some stuff i don't know i have no idea i did do we answer the question here i'd really really like to move on from this question um after seeing the two preseason games thus far do you think pascal would, would be able to do well at the five no what is the five anymore I, I I honestly it, it's the a NBA traditional is, five. No way. No, not a, not not. not a, I, I think. Well, I told, uh, whoever said this, you got to. Cl- what kind of five do you mean? I think any five, like like an attribute of the five is still some sort of physical intimidation around the rim. Sure, he can rise up and swat you, but like, I I feel like I could pump fake Siakam and get up and under him. I mean, I may not finish, but I think I can mess with him a bit. Um, no, I definitely can't. But like you know, you know what I mean, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, you need to be intimidating in the paint. Like Draymond's a non-traditional five was completely intimidating, yeah, and physical. So like, if that's if that's let's say the bar for what a modern five should look like, then no. I'd say in the new age NBA five, I think yes, he he could play with the fight depending on what the other team is obviously doing but sure. yeah sure i i don't see why not we still need to protect the rim like he's not great at great at that i think i think protecting the rim has become more of a front court responsibility than a middleman responsibility yeah but you're uh, the last line of defense like at, at the end of the day you guys get beat because great offense yeah. mostly beats great defense but he has decent recoverability where he can challenge. Oh, yeah, sure. Right. So I, I don't think it would be like insane. Like if I saw Siakam at the five for like a two, three minute stretch in the second quarter or third quarter. All right. Take it back. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go with the maybe. So Nan Deman asks, any chance Norm can play his way back into being a positive trade chick? Uh, trade chip. Sorry. <clears throat> yeah. He just needs to get back to where he was in like his second year. Give us like 10 points, couple boards, couple rebounds, couple threes. Uh, he's in year two of his contract. Next year, he'll start looking a lot better, especially as the cap goes up and his uh, his percentage of the cap decreases. And he's young. You know, I mean, what did we get for Terrence Ross, right? It takes one month, approximately 15 games, for you to completely turn around your stock value from like, what the hell, who, like garbage to like, yeah. oh my God, this guy is... This guy just maybe needs a better situation. Like that's that's all you just need one GM to think. There's the guy. Yeah. Take him to a different situation. He'll flourish there. It's kind of like Kyle Lowry, man. Kyle Lowry pre Raptors. Kyle Lowry was considered a guy who you did not want to play with. He was a bit of a like considered like a bit of a cancer or yep. like did not get along with the coach. Salt too much. Different situation. Completely different player. Now he's like our leader. And we got him for like Guy Forbes in a first round pick that turned yeah. into like Stephen Adams. Um, African Kala, sick profile picture by the way, uh, asks. Uh, it's just I think I think it might be his profile picture might be an actual oh. whatever. He's got a lot going on here. Yeah, that's yeah. that's an aggressive that's not page. Bad. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. What was his question again? Oh, we just lost his question. Oh, he clicked on it. <clears throat> uh, Delon or Fred? This is a question. As a, I'm guessing, he's, he means as a backup uh, point guard, first off the bench. Right. So I mean, yeah, it's it's. I don't think it's it's close. I think I think I mean, yeah. Delon, I would even slot more as a backup two, even three. Well, than, no, than, he than, doesn't than shoot well enough. As a, as a one, I think Fred's all the way. I I don't see a scenario where I'd be taking Delon over Fred yeah. for anything. I think the better and more reliable three point shooting is one of the reasons. Also, also great ball handling, man. Patience. Uh, Fred has this uncanny thing, where like even with like under ten seconds on the clock, 
pressure on, he still is able to, you know, manage the game and and do and make, and make something productive out of the possession when you, you have nothing going on. That is like a skill which which not many backup point guards, you know, have, which, which Fred does. So yeah. So so question for you, Delon is expiring this year. He's got a, he, so his qualifying offer next season is going to be three point six. Uh, he's off the books. Are we comfortable giving him another four forty, like we we did uh, Norman? If you're not gonna pay him, who are you gonna pay? So, uh, like, so are we comfortable with doing that? You see, this is the great thing about and contracts. does that make him a trade trip? I mean, I, I I don't know what you're gonna get for Delon, but like, if if the Raptors swing and make another trade, it feels like he's gonna be someone who'd be going back the other way. This is why it's so amazing to watch some games and watch half the seasons and then kind of mull on that decision. Yeah. Would I have any trouble playing him like 40, 10, like 40 million over four years or whatever it is? No. No, I would have no issue with that at all. I, I wouldn't because if not him, who are you going to pay? Like he's a good enough player to be at that position. So yeah. so as it stands now, we, we look to be at about 124 million mm-hmm. in salary next year. And that is uh, with a Kawhi player option and who, who who he's gonna deny, right? So we dropped to about a hundred. We're still over the cap. We can't sign anyone like a free agent. Uh, JV's gonna probably take his qualifying offer, and CJ might take his qualifying offer. You mean his option? His option. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. I, I apologize. But Danny Green's off the books. CJ could potentially be off the books. Monroe's off the books. Whatever. And then the others are are young kids. So like. We'd have to replace Danny Green, Kawhi. Sorry, six inches. Danny Green, Kawhi, potentially DeLon and CJ, right? So like, if four of those guys dropped, and yeah, that's easy to keep DeLon. But like, you know, do we would we want to keep DeLon over Danny Green? Um, I don't know if you have to make that decision right now. No, you don't. But like, I'm just, I, I just, I just right now, I feel talking about a Delon. So to answer your first question, yes, he's absolutely a trade trip. Yeah. Especially if he's coming, like if he's having a great couple of months, and you and you feel that it, it's a it's a situational thing where this is not the real Delon or whatever. Mm-hmm. whatever you can totally ship him in, in the you know before pre trade and get something good. Okay. So I, I would have no, my heart would not be broken if Delon Wright got shipped. Okay. But at the same time, if we decide in the summertime to give him like forty over four, yeah. I, I can think of money worth spent than that. Okay. Yeah. Like, That's, and as you said, we don't have any. Either you trade him for something, or you or you extend him. Yeah. I, I don't think he's somebody we're gonna let walk. Like he's got enough value as a, as a trade asset, or will have uh, that. That I don't think we need to. Um, that, that we're gonna let him walk. Okay. I don't know, man. It's a, it's it's a weird. It's a, it, there's so many. You know variables in answering that question that is kind of feel feels feels we're talking the only thing i can say is that yes he's an absolutely a creature my so my only comment would be loaning up on a ton of like these mid-tier kind of like average salary contracts especially with with kyle and uh abaka coming off the books in two years if Kawhi leaves it gives us a chance to reset i don't know i i don't know how i feel about it i just i, I need to see him this season do you do you think Kawhi is the type of guy who would be more inclined to sign with the Raptors if we gave him more say in players that would play for the Raptors? So I don't know. I like. I think. I think he would appreciate being involved in the process and giving his opinion 
I mean, because he's played against these guys. He knows. Like, there was talk about him and Jimmy Butler teaming up and stuff like that over the summer. Um, so, he, so he would probably appreciate that. But I, I don't know if that would be... I, I just feel like that's just a smart thing to do in today's day and age, considering where the NBA is right now. Yeah. To like, your star, hey, what do you think about this guy? Mm-hmm. What, what do you what 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 do you know that I don't know about him? Yeah, for sure. So, um, Will Shepard, two thousand five, asks: Will the Raptors still do wholesale hockey changes <laughs> with clear cut starters and bench, or will there be play or will the t- playing time will be more uh, blended? What did you think of the hockey changes that Dwayne Casey had, like the four plus one, four, four bench guys plus one Lowry? It, it kind of worked. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of worked because it, it it let it let Lowry maybe take a step back and play against the second units of other teams um, while leading the bench, and then he would go off, and then the bench would take over, and and they kind of uh, did it the other way on the other side. I didn't mind it. I, I generally am not a fan of wholesale changes like that, but I mean it's a long season. We have a deep team. Like you really need to take advantage of that. Yeah. Um, the only problem is once you get into the playoffs, like those wholesale changes stop happening after the yeah. first round, yeah. and then it makes it complicated on how you're gonna adjust your playing time and and your sets. Yeah. So my issue was never with the wholesale changes. They they usually worked. Like they gave the starters a breather. Yeah. It was always when you let them play too long right. that things backfired. And but at the same time, when you do wholesale changes, you're incentivized to play that lineup longer because as soon as they go out, your starters come back in. They got to finish like seven, eight minutes of the game. Yeah. Right. You, so you put on this additional pressure on yourself by making those changes. Because you're putting pressure to extend those lineups because you want this block of time to end the game for yeah. your starters. And you can't have starters playing, you know, like a too long. Right. So you extend this little mini bench lineup for too long and the game gets out of hand or what the opposition comes back. Yeah. So that is an argument to be made for more blended lineups. Absolutely. Um, and Casey, sorry to cut you off, but Casey compounded that with his inability to manage the game properly with timeouts and... Um, you know, like do kind of like necessary in-game adjustments. Mm-hmm. So if we saw a little bit more of that over, the, like he he to his credit, he started doing that towards the end of the season, yeah. and maybe a little bit in the playoffs. I don't know that I'm, I'm been a bit scarred from the playoffs, so I, I might not be remembering correctly. But um, if you blend proper game management with wholesale changes and kind of you know get uh, get people in and out a little bit faster, that 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 might have worked better. I think this also becomes a question of how do you manage Kawhi's minutes? Yeah. Like he can't be the guy playing four plus one. No, absolutely not. <laughs> then you're then you're shooting yourself in the foot. Uh, I think how we manage Kawhi and Lowry's minutes to end games is going to be important. If that happens through wholesale changes or blended lineups, you know, whatever works, let's do it. Uh, my only call out is that doing wholesale changes puts a lot of pressure for you to play that lineup longer than maybe... Yeah, they need to, or or they should. Yeah, and I don't think Kawhi's played more than like seventy-five games in any. I'm just looking at his thing now. He hasn't played more than seventy-four games ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, seventy-four was the year that he lost uh, a, a complete season. The year after, so mm-hmm. I think it'd be stupid to play him more than that. So here's here's another kill up Pascal question. Well, so he goes, do you think? Nick Nurse will use lineups, small lineups, uh, 
Uh, as a sword or a shield. <laughs> now, a sword, he means, like, he was gonna, he's going to use it proactively because he feels that this is where the advantage for the club is or for the, yeah. for the team is. Or as a shield where he's basically using them to minimize damage. Right. And this, this is a good question. I think this one deserves a Yeah, that a feels, little, that's little a good like, question. Yeah, okay, yeah there like we that. go. My contribution to social media. And uh, to, to completely sidestep the question, I feel like he's going to do both. Right, I mean, like uh, the, the the bench unit can get you buckets. They can uh, they can shield the starters if they're completely shitting in the bed, um, and vice versa. Right. But if I had to pick one, I'd say sword. Uh, I would too. Yeah, I, I'd say sword. I, I think the Raptors have to feel that their athleticism, youth, talent, all that stuff, experience playing together as yeah. a unit is something other teams lack and will have trouble matching up again. So I'd say definitely sword. It, it, it's it's so weird how we've come like, you know, 180 when we used to, under even Jay Triano, if you remember, oh, or Dwayne Casey early on, we used to be so reactive. And whenever the other team like went small, like we'd go small. If they went big, we'd, we'd try to adapt. Right. And now I think because we have the higher talent level, we can afford to dictate this conversation rather than just... Just do what the other team is forcing us to do. And I think somebody smart once said, talent dictates matchups. Yeah. And I think the Raptors right now have the talent to dictate matchups. Thus, the answer to your question is, is a sword. Well, you'd have to consider them a top four, maybe top five team in terms of like, you know, one through 12. Mm-hmm. Keep keep talking, Sam, while I read these uh, Twitter questions. Yeah, I, I have nothing to say right now. No. Uh, okay. Post production. Okay. We'll cut this up. <laughs> no, we're not. There's no post production oh, here. So it's a work day tomorrow. Okay. Uh, let, 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 let's do this one. Uh, this, this is a odds on Casey being presented the rock Jesus. when Detroit comes to Toronto. How big is that rock? It's like, significant. So like, like we're going to cut it up. Like the Raptor is going to like bring it out on one of those like golf carts. Is the rock still there? I would probably, I, I just feel like that would be a big thing to move this summer. Probably not. I don't know. Yeah, that'd be... And, and what I, would you do with that rock if you decided to move it? We haven't heard pound the rock. Yeah, maybe well, just throw it outside. And... That would be a shame. That'd be a shame. Wait, you want to bring it? You got space in your backyard here. Uh, I'd say make it one. Like you know, again, I, I work near um, ACC, and I, and I see all these like leaf statues outside. Yeah, right outside Maple Leaf, uh, that those buildings over there. So the rock that the, the ACC was built on. Just put the rock there. Just leave it out front. Yeah, I put like a little, you know, like a fence around it or something. So like a velvet it's rope. Like, it's not just a rock; it's actually more than a rock. More than a rock. Yeah. Plaque. And then that should be the plot. That should be the plaque. More than a rock. More than a rock. Yeah. That's not terrible. More than a rock. I give him a star too. Let's oh, let's yeah? go there. Uh, no one, no one contemplated that question. Hmm. Okay. Good. Yeah. So I think we're uh, we're about an hour plus in. Sam. That's not bad. It didn't feel like an hour. No. No, when you're in person holding the mic at a proper six inch, proper uh, <laughs> six inch from your face, <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, by the way, preseason is short. That's got to be amazing, man. Amazing. Like, why did why didn't they do this like twenty years ago? If they can like chop off eight games and make like a shorter season too, that that'd be nice as well. You know, I've always been a big fan of having a secondary competition along with the league. Yeah, like a shorter tournament style competition that right. runs in parallel. With the regular season. You just want to like soccerize the uh, NBA? Yeah, just a little bit. I mean, if, you know, if you've been listening to the podcast for the last 10 years, you yeah. know that I love the promotion relegation system. Sure. But this next most, you know, possible thing to do, which is not going to piss off too many people, might be a secondary competition. That and, might not uh, be terrible. 
yeah, yeah I, think, I, think, I think it'll be all right. So, listener, thank you for uh, sticking around with Sam and I's uh, ramblings today. Whoa, whoa. We'll, uh, we'll get some professionals to do the Raptors Weekly podcast next week. Um, meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, this was bad. Give us some credit. <laughs> meanwhile, um, we'll try to come back with a Raptors Weekly extra uh, during the season uh, and focus more on you know interviews and so on here and there. It really but needs a real name. The Raptors Weekly Extra. Yeah, little history on the Raptors Weekly Extra. It actually comes from uh, the Guardian podcast, Football Weekly, oh. which airs on Monday, and then they have a Thursday podcast called the Football Weekly Extra. Oh. So, because I'm not very creative, I just copied that. Yes, and you love the, the Guardian. Extra, yeah. The Guardian is amazing, both from a user experience perspective. <laughs> You're such a nerd. As a, uh, as a IT guy. All right. All right, man. That's All it. Right. Talk soon. Later.